Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Today we're discussing page 7 of Alien Hunger. It's the introduction. These black pages we've just been through, the sexy NB vampire biting their wrist, the quote from Shakespeare, the dumbass credits page, dodgy illustrations, all of that is definitely early Vampire the Masquerade feel. This is where the quintessential experience of reading through a whole White Wolf source book of the era begins, up top, written in a weird Lord of the Rings type font that vampires stopped using practically this second. The word introduction. The subhead on the first column says, a jump start. And I'm going to quote to you at a little more length than I normally do, because I want you to get a feel for the authorial voice of this book. And I want to let the author tell you, in his own words, by his own testimony, what this book is supposed to be so that we can evaluate it accordingly. Quote, Alien Hunger was designed so new storytellers, or even experienced ones new to vampire, may run it with a minimum of effort on their part. It is intended to jumpstart you into a chronicle without requiring you to design a setting or plot. Characters are provided, so new players may also jump right into the playing of the game without having to spend time creating their own. So okay, fair enough, that's what this book is. The idea is new player, new storyteller, it's a plot ready to go, characters ready to go, jump into Vampire. This is where you start. And immediately, immediately after telling us, get ready, here's what Vampire is, the author begins sipping his absinthe. You can hear the drama voice beginning. Very next paragraph. Bearing that in mind, a great deal of emphasis is placed on things like mood and hints on storytelling, with a capital S. The very structure of vampire does not lend itself to the cliched, slay the evil one, save the maiden type of story commonly found in role-playing. A vampire story works on a more subtle plane, where the crisis is that of an ever-dwindling humanity, a loss which the characters must always fear. In such a situation, mood plays a more important role than any enemy could in generating story sessions that will be long remembered. Yes, we've been role-playing wrong. We've been bad. Punish us. The author goes on to tell us that this story is organized in a pretty linear way with a clear indication of which scenes link to which other scenes because we are dummies, right? Because we are neophytes. I mean, is the author to unfurl the full extent of his storytelling wisdom to us, to mere apprentices? Obviously not. But if we are good role players, which is a distinction that we'll be making a lot in this book between bad role players and good role players, if you're a good role player, then, quote, the story may also be run in a much more free-form fashion, with only a few key events being placed in any sequence, and the rest falling in an order determined by the players and your own sense of drama. This style of play requires a great deal more effort on your part, as you must keep track of all the loose ends and dangling subplots. It goes on to say, quote, They are crutches, and if you do not need or want them, then cast them aside. There's an exclamation mark at the end. But it didn't really feel excited. It felt emphatic. It's like when you hit the famous lines in Shakespeare, and you're a very bad actor. The energy of that sentence is very like, and let slip the dogs of war. So anyway, yeah, throw away your crutches. 
All of that is information that the player is allowed to have. Then in the second column, under a different subhead, how to run this story, we get some stuff specifically for the storyteller. The prospective player is warned, this is where you leave. This part's not for you. This part's explicitly only for the storyteller. And this is where we're going to get the dumbest thing on this page, not just because of the thing itself, but because of context. And here, absinthe is not even enough. Think like inside the actor's studio. The author is sipping his absinthe while reclining in a chair, really holding forth about his own farts. Maintaining the mood may be difficult at times. You will find it impossible to accomplish without the cooperation of your players. You cannot force the mood onto your players. You can only work with them to create it. Bearing this in mind, you will need to lighten the mood every now and then. The contrast will not only provide a relief from what are, hopefully, moments of tension and drama, but will also provide a contrast for those moments and keep them from becoming a constant presence and thus dull and monotonous. And so far, this is a, a true thing stated obnoxiously. Absolutely. Like, if the, if your role-playing game needs to have a certain mood, or, or you just want it to have a certain mood, whether you're the storyteller or a player, you have to have buy-in from the rest of the group, because it only takes one person who's not there to fuck it up. Whether it's because they just don't want to play that way, or because they don't get what you're going for, whatever. So, so far, good. Like, this story needs to have a certain mood, and you need the player's help as a storyteller to maintain that mood. It's in that light that we move on to the dumbest thing in this page, partly because of what it is in itself and partly because of what's just gone before. Quote, The story will flow more smoothly if the character's lack of knowledge is mirrored to some extent by the players. By limiting the information given to the players, the mood of the story may be more easily sustained. One way to accomplish this is for you, the storyteller, to make the die rolls when they concern the gaining of information— Search roles, investigation roles, roles involving the auspex discipline of psychometry or aura perception and the like. Extremely bad advice. Now, it's fine if you want to play this way. Like, if you want to do a role-playing game where the players are in the dark, just as the player characters are, you're working on a mystery, like, all the information that the player characters get depends completely on, like, the fall of the dice, the investigative procedure that they follow, whatever— and like the players are, are working the case at the same time that the characters are, that's fine. What you're not going to have in a story that's set up that way is a really strong, consistent mood combined with coherent, satisfying storytelling. You may be willing to sacrifice those things for other appealing aspects of that style of play. You know, if you're doing kind of uh, classic like dungeon crawl storytelling, there's a lot of emergent story where you're not going to have a coherent, satisfying narrative. You're not going to have this kind of consistent, delicate mood. But what you are going to have is really interesting, dynamic stories that sort of come in fits and starts and lots and lots of surprises. You, you go up consistency for a lot of surprises. And that's fine if you want to do that. But weren't you just saying that we need the group's buy-in to maintain this mood that is the single all-important aspect of the storytelling mind theater in which we are about to indulge. Like, we're supposed to be keeping a certain mood, right? And it's not conducive to that if, because the characters don't know what the fuck is going on, and like, how they should feel about different characters, like, who who are these different characters? What's going on? Like, th these are players who, because it's a jumpstart game, they don't even know what their characters don't know. Not only are they playing characters who aren't aware that like there is such a thing as vampire society and there are rules and they're prone to break them if they just go off doing whatever they want as vampires, there's not even any dramatic irony there because the players don't know that. You know what would be one way that we could have this like dismal mood combined with 
the encroachment of like the thrill of vampirism, we could have a character who gets really into the power trip of being a vampire and then walks unknowingly into the den of a much more dangerous predator and kind of learns what his place is. But we can only have that if the player knows that the character is walking into this den of a superior predator. If the player doesn't know, then first of all, they may just never take him there because they don't know there's a scene there. And secondly, they may come into it trying to create a different mood, feeling like they're going to be the big deal here, and therefore everybody's going to be scared of them. And therefore it's going to be this big thing about like how far this character's fallen because he's being so cruel. He's become such a natural like hunter. And and then they're going to have the whole scene they were trying to build swept away because out of character, they didn't know this scene has to be about something else. The first piece of advice on this page that I quoted is absolutely right. You have to make a point of bringing the players in. And I think a lot of times that means setting up dramatic irony, setting up like this is a thing that's going to be difficult for your character, but it's going to be difficult in the way that you want to play. So let's work together to kind of get them into the situation we want them into, where they express the character you want to express and where it's going to be a scene that has the mood we want, as opposed to all of you, you know, kind of stepping on a landmine, which I mean figuratively, but like vampires had a lot of supplements. I know there are landmine stats, and I wouldn't be shocked if a vampire somewhere has hit upon the idea of having a landmine directly outside their haven. That's the sort of whiplash we want to avoid. And so this thing of keeping players ignorant of the information that would allow them to contribute to the story, I think even for beginners, maybe especially for beginners, is bad advice. And that is the dumbest thing on this page. Now, before I begin developing a taste for absinthe, let's move on. Join me tomorrow when we continue the introduction and discuss the curse of eternal hair on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.